Sup, y'all, and welcome to the 26th edition of Press On Sports. I'm Jack Vita. Today's going to be a very exciting podcast. I've got a guy who's going to be joining me in a little bit, and we're going to be talking, like Mike, the 2002 classic film that was one of my favorites growing up. It's always fun to go back and revisit some of the old movies that we really enjoyed, especially when we were kids, and this will be a lot of fun. So... Without much further ado, let me bring on my guest. This is a guy who joined me about four months ago, three months ago, to talk about the ending of the television series on ABC, The Middle. It was a middle finale, and we talked about the entire series. It was a lot of fun. He was a big hit, so we're bringing him back. Here's Alex Stahl. Hey, Jack. What's going on? Alex, I just have one question for you. What's that? What was Tracy Reynolds thinking? <laughs> um, hey, I got I got a rap for you. you Want to hear this? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Now basketball is my favorite sport. I love the way they drip up and down the court. I keep it so fresh on the microphone, like no interruption when the game is on. <laughs> good. Okay, good I'm stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> surprise oh man that's so good though every time i hear that one. <laughs> oh, it's a great movie alex this movie makes me feel so nostalgic uh-huh does it make you feel nostalgic it does it was such a great era interesting era of basketball and then just watching it now as an adult thinking back to it just reminds me of as a kid uh renting the dvd and just watching it over and over again with friends it's kind of feeling i got while watching this recently yeah, it's a fun DVD. It's unique. They, You may not remember this, but I watched it on DVD, so I know. And <laughs> <laughs> the DVD is, do you remember it being two different sides? There's like an A side and a B side, like a vinyl. Uh, No, what was the B side? The B side was widescreen and the A side was full screen. Oh, man, that's yeah. right. All those DVDs back in the day. So they didn't want to go two discs. Although I kind of, I like uh-huh. this more because then you, if there are two discs, you might lose one of them. There's only one disc you have to keep track of. I like that. Right, right. I'm excited for this. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, let's talk about, I know you didn't see it on DVD, but I did. Do you, want, do you have any recollection of what previews there are before this movie? I I don't, because (laughs) when I watched it the other day, there was no preview. So what do you got? The original preview, someone here. You watched it on Amazon Prime, correct? Yes, that's right. So everyone who's listening, you want to watch it. If you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it on there. Yep. So the promos, there's it's like a weird collection (laughs) of different Fox DVDs. It just says Fox DVDs, so it's like... Big Mama's House with Martin Lawrence. Okay. There's one for Dr. Doolittle. Is that the original? Eddie, Mur- Eddie Murphy, yeah. Yep. The original Eddie Murphy version. Nice. Yeah. And there's another one uh, for The Sandlot. Oh, on DVD? Yeah, it was just, it's a promo for Fox DVD. Gotcha. They compile those three movies into one promo, and boom, now we're at the movie. Which makes sense because all these were coming on DVD around that time because everyone was buying their DVD players. Yeah, everyone loved the DVD players. They're a lot of fun. I still like the DVDs, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you have moved on from them. Though. <laughs> I don't even own one anymore, so. Wow. 
You don't have like a PlayStation or anything computer? I got a computer. That's about it. With a disk drive? I don't think so. Not this new one. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. So this is probably, I know you have a great memory, Alex. Where Do you remember where you were when this movie came out, where you saw it? Oh, no. I think it was on DVD. I don't think it was in theaters, but... Oh, okay. I don't remember. How about you? Yeah, I saw it in theaters in North Carolina. So this was summer 2002. I was eight years old. I was a couple years older, so I would have been probably 12 or 13 when I saw this movie. So this was a movie right in our childhood that we grew up on. Yep. And we'll talk about a lot of the things, the nostalgia aspects of things, the NBA at this time period. But let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about this movie. So it opens up with uh, Calvin Cambridge, played by Lil Bow Wow, <laughs> in his. This was probably the biggest movie role or acting role that he had before this. Was he in any other movies? I looked it up, and it looked like he had cameos. But I think this is the first movie where he was the lead role. Gotcha. And I think he does a great job. Yeah, I'd say so. So they're shooting around on the blacktop. This just brings back memories of what it was like shooting around on the blacktop as a kid, trying to emulate some of your favorite moves of your favorite players. Did you ever play on the blacktop? Uh, oh, yeah. Recess. We had the blacktop yeah. um, shooting yeah. hoops, playing basketball. Um, lots of good memories of playing out there and, you know, every day. And this is where we're introduced to his friends, where we have Jonathan Lipnicki, who was really a big, big, he's Murph, and he was a big, big child star at the time. If you oh, remember, sure. he was in Stuart Little, Jerry yep. Maguire, he's a lot of stuff. Yep. Talented kid. And then uh, the introduction to Brenda Song, a future Disney star and star in the social network. That's right. Yeah. So, Interesting group of kids, uh, good cast. Such a great cast. So many good kids, um, future stars, current stars. Um, we'll talk about the cameos as well. Oh, yeah. But I have to say, and we'll get into this some more, but um, Murph and Reg are really the MVPs, I think, of of this movie because Ooh. Calvin has the two best friends right here supporting him all the way. So. Yeah, great friends. It'll be fun to get yep, to that. For sure. And right away, we're introduced to, so he's an orphan at this orphanage. It's really interesting because we just see what kind of, how much guts this guy has. Calvin Cambridge, mm-hmm. he looks like he's short, <laughs> although he towers over Jonathan Lipnicki, so he can't be that short. Right. But obviously short uh, compared to NBA players. He decides that this bully, Ox, which interesting name for a kid. I always <laughs> thought his name was Alex and they were saying it wrong. Ox, where does that come from? It's a good bully's name, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and this guy's name is Jesse Plemons, who is famous in Friday Night Lights, the show, which a lot of my family watches or watched. That's right. And Breaking Bad as well. Oh, yeah, you're right. He's had a pretty yeah. successful career. Starts out as a bully here, yeah. and he's a pretty good bully. <laughs> sure is, man. He's mean. Like everything he he does is just to to torture uh, Calvin and his friends. And you know he's he's pretty good at that. Yeah, he's a very good character in this movie because he's complex. He's got a lot of layers to him. So there's a scene later in the movie where they go to the Knights game. And they're all having fun, and he's having fun, and he looks like, no, they can't see me like I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you get it because he tries to act tough at the same time. He wants the same things that these other kids want, which is, you know, to have fun, but also to, um, keep hope that someday he'll have a family as well and not have to be stuck as an orphan in that orphanage. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely what they're all hoping for. He adapts in this bully role and we don't fully know his backstory, but we know he's an orphan, which means mm-hmm. he's had a rough childhood. So anyway, this is where we see what kind of spine Calvin has because he comes, Ox comes up. He says, Hey, I'll, I'll play you for your Jersey. And Calvin, without oh, man. he doesn't hesitate. He just says, "Oh yeah, of course I'll do that." that what was is in what uh, is in it for Calvin? <laughs> what is he thinking, man? Like he has this awesome jersey of wasn't it Allen Iverson? Yeah, his hero, his hero, everyone's hero for a lot of kids at that time. And any kid getting a brand new jersey is going to think, "I'm holding on to this. This is this is mine. Don't risk losing it." And I have no idea why I took him off on that offer. <laughs> what was your first jersey that you had, basketball jersey, that you would always wear when you were shooting around? Oh, Michael Jordan, of course. <laughs> I had an Allen jersey, but it wasn't Allen Iverson. It was... Ray, Ray Allen? No, it was not oh, Ray Allen. that was my second jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Any other guesses? Allen. Allen Houston? Yes. Oh, man. That was your first jersey? It was. Nice. Do you still have it? I do have it somewhere, and I know I was uh-huh. about... I had it at when I saw this movie, so it was right around the time that I got interested in basketball. Yeah, I wore my Michael Jordan Bulls jersey all the time, shooting hoops back in the day, and of course, you know, this movie and every kid at that time, he was everyone's hero, and still have it today doesn't fit me anymore but i still have it somewhere (laughs) so if the schoolyard bully said alex let's play basketball and if i win i get to take your jersey do you play him (laughs) no of course not i know i'm not gonna win (laughs) i'll keep my jersey in (laughs) i just don't know what the what the upside is here for calvin um i think he just was not afraid of taking on the bully any chance he got even though it didn't look very good for him. <laughs> There's no other upside. Just him acting tough. It's definitely necessary to the character because... It establishes that relationship between um, Calvin and Ox as well. That they're you know, at odds and Calvin's mean bully and has to do something to get his way out of that situation. Yeah, and... You hear him say, Allen Iverson won't back no, don't back down from no challenge. And yep. Calvin, Cam- Calvin Cambridge doesn't either. Yep. And that's, that's that mindset for him of, you know, taking up challenges and looking up to these NBA stars that he emulates and wants to look up to and work towards. So definitely helps establish him as a character in this first scene. So that's where you know that, like, well, I guess you don't know, but this sets it up well for, like, a 13-year-old kid playing an NBA game without any fears. Mm-hmm. Or second thoughts or any judgment or <laughs> just jumps right into one thing to another. <laughs> so he loses the jersey and then Ox just rips it up, which is really oh, mean. It's like you so just... mean. Yeah. It's the second meanest thing in this movie. I'm sure we'll get to the first meanest. Yeah, it was pretty mean. <laughs> 
it was just like, oh, I'm just going to win this jersey so I can tear it up right in front of you. I don't even want it. Because well, they don't make it for bigger people, I guess. Yeah, probably. It's Allen Iverson. <laughs> that makes sense. It's funny because he looks a little like an Allen Iverson mini-me in this movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. I can see that. We They talk about how they all just want to get adopted. And then they start rattling off a list of all the famous adopt people who were adopted. Were there any snubs from this list that you could think of? You got Moses, Nelson Mandela, Marilyn Monroe, and Dante Culpepper. Uh, wow. I don't know. You got any? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a good question to think about that one. I, lo- I love how Jonathan Lipnicki, a.k.a. Murph, Murph has to tell me he plays in the NFL. <laughs> well, thanks, Murph. <laughs> I love his enthusiasm. Every time Murph has something to say, he's always so enthusiastic about yeah. telling you what's on his mind and telling you what you need to know. So, love that. Yeah, it was his way to back up Calvin. He had to yep. chime in and say something <laughs> there. Oh, Murph. So, in the next scene... We see them selling candy outside of the Staples Center. Yep, Staples Center right there in L.A. This is where we're really introduced to that evil man that is Biddleman. <laughs> oh, man. Poor guy. So evil. <laughs> <laughs> He's awful. He's the worst. Uh-huh. And you know which movie this actor was in, right? Of course. Back to the Future. That's right. Yeah, he's a, he's a good actor. Uh-huh. Crispin Glover. Yep. They're selling chocolate bars. And this is where we kind of get a sense. So he's basically, Biddleman is using his these orphans to make a profit <laughs> selling chocolates. It's very bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's not too much in this scene. But the big thing is that Calvin ends up almost selling a chocolate bar to Coach Wagner who is also a famous actor, Robert uh, Forrester, I believe his mm-hmm. name is. And he's in a lot of stuff. Yep, also made an appearance in Breaking Bad as well. Oh, wow. Yep. He's Tim Allen's dad on Last Man Standing. Oh, nice. Doesn't make sense because he has got he sounds like a New Yorker. <laughs> he's got a great voice, though, this guy. Yes, yes, very likable character, too. Just right away, you're like, oh, man, this guy can be Calvin's friend. Yeah, he's the man. He's also in The Case for Christ, too. Okay, sweet. Calvin admits, like, I don't even know if this money is going to help us at all. Like, I can't scam you. You're the coach. He offers up $20 for a chocolate bar. And then Coach Wagner wants to help out the orphans, but he thinks, oh, well, why don't I give you guys tickets to a game? That's pretty sweet. So how many tickets did he give him? I didn't see the count, but it looked like you had the big three there. Mm -hmm. And then Ox and his, (laughs) I I don't know if you want to call him his uh, sidekick or his minion. He didn't say much. He was always just kind of there, you know, being the other bully, but not really saying much or being too intimidating. Like good cop, bad cop kind of strategy they have. One of the things that's really cool about this movie is... This first, they really get to the point. To answer your question, though, there are five tickets, I believe. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, they do really get to it. So that's something that's, for me, rewatching this movie, you have to put yourself in like the watching it as a kid where you appreciate how 
the plot moves along and how predictable maybe some of the characters are and some of the things that happen. Um, but certainly like as you get older and watching as an adult, it's um, not as, as deep as maybe most movies we're used to watching. So they definitely do keep moving along here. So makes it for an easy watch for sure. Yeah. And I think one of the things is this is a movie that I don't really think you can hate on. If you want to say, Oh, it's unrealistic or it's not like a, very deep movie as you mentioned it's just a fun watch it's a fun watch and i don't think you can hate on that yeah definitely and especially for all like the basketball scenes and the cameos that we'll see coming up here as well um that part definitely makes it fun especially for for this era of of you know the kids and then the nba as well i would give so much to have been the kid in this movie that gets to play Calvin Cambridge. That would have been awesome. It would be like a <laughs> fantasy camp. Yes. Bow Wow can play ball too. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. He was out there, you know, really playing well. So that was good. And he was a big star at the time. And I I was trying to compare him to someone who would come for like some of the people who are a little younger that don't remember Bow Wow Mania. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it was kind of like a he was similar to like a Justin Bieber type of like a 15 right. year old who was very, very famous. Just a kid that was famous and talented. And um, well, you know, speaking of basketball, so he actually played college basketball. Where? He was a walk on, I believe, at USC. Oh, the, you're thinking of Romeo, Lil Romeo. Oh, never mind. Little Romeo. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, are you uh, are you team Romeo or Bow Wow? Because they drew a line in the sand and you had to pick one of them growing up. Oh, man. I was I was not paying attention. I was. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Uh, I like Bow Wow. I mean, I, I didn't really. I mean, the Little Romeo show was fun. It was a fun watch. I mean, that's a show I feel like people don't even remember very well. So it shows how much I know when I confuse Bow Wow and Lil Romeo. So <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> but I think they're both talented. They're both welcome to come on the podcast if they ever want to get in touch with sure. you and listen to this. <laughs> uh, they both they both could ball, though. And this was the street ball yep. era. Yep. There's an interesting music video where it's street ball for basketball. Did you ever see that? Uh, no, but wasn't there a sequel to this movie? Yes, there was in 2006. Which I did not know about, but, you know, in preparing for this and rewatching the movie, I came across a sequel. So did you ever see that one? No, I never saw that. I just, <laughs> I remember one day, it was around 2006, I was at my grandma's house, I saw a commercial for it, and I was just like, like Mike 2, and I'm like, that's mm-hmm. weird, and I looked it up. I found out a little bit, and I'm like, oh, it's got no one from the first movie in it. It has nothing to do with it other than the fact that he gets a magic pair of sneakers. Right. No NBA players, not even in theaters, straight to DVD. So, but yeah, definitely the street ball era right here. And man, yeah, you're right. These guys definitely knew how to play. So I appreciate that part of it as well. We got to see lots of good basketball scenes. Yeah, and some of the shots where Bow Wow's hitting these threes and stuff, that's actually him shooting, too. Those are NBA threes. That's impressive. I would probably miss those. (laughs) I would, too. So then here comes the part. He's at the orphanage, and this is where we're introduced to the nun, which do we know exactly the role with the nuns is they run the school? 
Uh, yeah, probably. I would imagine. Yeah. So she's bringing over some stuff for them to wear. Mm-hmm. And this is where we see the MJ shoes where she describes them. He asks, oh, where did you, where'd you get these shoes? And he's, she's like, I got them from an NBA former basketball <laughs> player. And he's like, which one? Oh, you know, the tall, bald one. <laughs> Very descriptive right there. Right. <laughs> well, he's simultaneously seeing the MJ inside the sneaker. Uh-huh. And it's funny because I remember my brother and I turning to each other in the theater when they, she said the tall, bald one. What? And we said Just... it was not Michael Jordan was who we were thinking of. Oh, who were you thinking of? I mean, obviously we knew it was Michael Jordan, but when they said... somebody else. When, well, when you thought of the tall, bald one as an NBA player, I didn't think of Michael Jordan. I thought there was a better way to describe him. Uh-huh. I thought of Kevin Garnett. Oh, he was taller and definitely bald. Yeah. <laughs> the big ticket. And a big star at that time, so that's pretty good. And I was actually surprised. I For some reason, I thought he was in this movie. Uh, No, surprisingly not. Yeah. Yeah. It would have made sense for him to be in this because, yeah. Not. So you thought the shoes at that time when you were watching it belonged to Kevin Garnett or what was that was just your reaction when you heard that description? <laughs> that was just our reaction to the description. Okay. I think we knew the plot that it was Michael Jordan shoes like Mike. I actually remember seeing a trailer for this movie when I was seeing the movie The Rookie in theaters. Oh, that was such a great movie. Yeah. Another one worthy of a podcast. Yep, for sure. Anyway. This is where we're introduced to the fact that we don't know for sure if these are Michael Jordan shoes. Alex, are they? Do you think they are? Do I think they are? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, what other reason would explain the talent and the power that he gets from wearing these shoes? I know the lightning scene comes later, but um, well, we can we can lump the lightning scene into this. So anyway, the shoes get thrown on top of a phone wire, a telephone wire, which they still have today. I feel like they won't be around for too much longer. So if you're listening to this podcast in the year 2038 and you're like, what's a telephone wire? Look it up. <laughs> now we sound old. <laughs> but here's a question, Jax. So yeah. you're talking about these shoes and the question is, how did, um, how did this nun, how did Sister Teresa get these shoes from Michael Jordan like how did they end up in her possession so that's the question whether they're actually his shoes in Southern California too right exactly yeah I don't know because MJ just seems like a guy he's either in North Carolina or he's in Illinois I don't see mm -hmm. him anywhere else right and these are like maybe old shoes too from back in the day when he play North Carolina or NBA or whenever somehow they either directly got to her or have ended up with Calvin. So it's interesting. They have to be the same size as Calvin. So I think they're from when he was the same age as him. So way back when Michael Jordan was a kid and he wore the same size shoes as Calvin. My, my guess is that he lost them gambling. (laughs) Ah, just like Calvin losing the jersey in a pickup basketball game. Yeah, yeah it all comes together. <laughs> right? And makes then sense. the gambling the theme at the end of the movie. And we know Michael Jordan likes to gamble, so that definitely makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's why I said it. 
<laughs> I think that's it. I, we figured it out. So anyway, they retrieve the shoes when because Ox chucks them up there because he's being a jerk again. And uh, how do they? So he's going up to get the shoes. The telephone uh, wire gets struck by lightning, and the the electricity runs through it, knocks the shoes off, and Calvin falls to the ground. And then you see this was really cool. This felt very like '90s, 2000ish, like Disney-ish type of thing where you see the electricity coursing through the shoelaces. Power companies issued a press release prior to the release of this movie to remind people of the danger <laughs> of high voltage power lines. So yes, it's cool to watch TV, but as a kid, uh, just a reminder, <laughs> this is dangerous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's hilarious. I didn't know that. Very dramatic though. Very dramatic. Now, do you think the lightning plays a role in these magical shoes? Did it bring the shoes to life? Um, Did he wear the shoes before? No. That scene? Then no. I'm led to believe that that was it. That's what brought him to life and kept them alive for him until later on. So Yeah, reinvigorated them. Yep. That's where the energy comes from. So then we end up at the next part where we're at the game that they get tickets to, which... I actually found out today they shot on Super Bowl Sunday when I was doing a little research on it, and they still got people to come out to shoot that scene. That's pretty cool. So did you find out where the scene was shot? Yeah, they shot the scene outside of the Staples Center on Super Bowl Sunday, for the record. So they shot all those outside the Staples Center, but as you know, this was not the actual Staples Center that the games were inside of. It It looks different. Yep, so it was in the Great Western Forum. Yeah, where the Lakers used to play. Right, right. Yeah. Which I did not realize until kind of doing some research that, I mean, if I would have thought about it, I would have realized that it's not the stable center, but it's definitely different. And then going back to Michael Jordan, so, you know, just to follow up on um, whether the shoes belonged to him, I see that it was never really confirmed in this movie that those shoes actually did belong to him. So I guess we are led to assume that. So um, we can think that they are but we don't know for sure so yeah i think it's got to be with the movie because like you mentioned it's never in question right so that's what they're going with i personally wish i never thought of this michael jordan i wish he had a cameo in this movie Mm-hmm. he's definitely missing this whole movie is just a huge huge love letter to michael jordan there's so many different things that are tributes to him the north carolina apparel some of the mannerisms that calvin copies on the court so why because i imagine he was asked to be in the movie why yeah. do you think he would have chosen not to he's working on his big comeback to the nba probably around this time <laughs> wizards yeah, he was. I think he played from 2001 to 2002. This movie came out in 2002. Uh, 2003. He played those two years. So this yeah. was right in between his two seasons with the Wizards. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting though that you know they could have easily showed a scene with the Knights playing against the Wizards, um, but it never happened. So yeah. You know, the the whole, like you said, the love letter to Michael Jordan, because during this era of the NBA, people were still looking up to him because no one had come along to replace that 
90s era that Jordan dominated, even though he was still in the league at this time, it, you know, wasn't with the Bulls and there was no opportunity for him to get even get in this movie. So that would have been great to see him. Yeah, I got to think that he just turned it down. He, for whatever reason, didn't want to be in it. Yes, did the whole movie before and this one was one where he passed on. Yeah, <laughs> Space Jam. Maybe it's a rival. Maybe that's why. Yeah. So this is really where a lot of things are going to be. This is going to be a big tipping point in the movie. Calvin ends up winning the chance to play a, a one-on-one game with Tracy Reynolds, the star of the L.A. Knights. But I have to ask you right here, how how crazy is this that halftime of a game you get your star player to go out during halftime in the middle of the game to play one-on-one with a random person in the crowd turns out to be this kid, Calvin Cambridge uh, just shows kind of how desperate this franchise is for some publicity to entertain their fans that do show up for these games. But that just seems so ridiculous that he's out there during halftime. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is absurd. I think the thing that's really funny is he's, saying you got to do this because we're going to have to sell the team and then you won't have a job or you, may, you might have to play somewhere else or you're going to have to move or whatever. He's like, you got to do this. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble. So just do it. And just then he's, it. Yeah. he's like, he's like, all right, so you got to you got to <laughs> let him score at least once because <laughs> it's nice. The crowd will love it. And then he he fights him over this. Mm-hmm. No, he says you got to fight. You got to let him score twice. And he says, I'll only let him score once. And then he scores, what, three times on (laughs) him? (laughs) So this reminded me of Kobe. This felt like something Uh, Kobe would be like, no way, I'm letting some kid beat me. Yeah, I could totally see Kobe out there playing that way. (laughs) Because I think... That's good. I think LeBron would be like, oh, I'll I'll just let the kid have his moment. Like, I'll I'll be nice. And Kobe would be like, no, no. (laughs) No, too competitive for this. I'm not going to be nice at all. This kid's (laughs) not going to make me look bad. And if this had gone, like, imagine if this was happening now with social media and everything. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Like, anytime you see, like, some off-season workout, see no matter who it is. And if this is just a kid doing that, everyone would be just going insane and ridiculing that player for letting this happen. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So, anyway, long story short, Calvin wins this uh, one-on-one game. And he, the crowd loves it. He dunks. He throws himself an alley-oop pass off the glass. And it's pretty absurd, but it's why we love this movie. It's great. <laughs> yep, yep. And then light bulb goes off in Eugene Le- Levy's head, which do you have his, what's his name in this movie? Uh, let's look here. So this would be Frank Bernard. <laughs> I I don't remember them ever calling him that. <laughs> I don't think so, but he's got a name here. He's a great actor. He's in a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right, so what's this idea? He says, all right, we're going to uh, let's get this kid. We won't have him play, but let's just have him sit on the bench, and tons of people are going to come out, and it's going to be a great draw. Free, one and done, NBA rule, so it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something I was going to bring up. He loses his the coach thing about that. <laughs> yeah, he loses his college eligibility by doing all of this. Right. <laughs> and then when he walks away from the game at the end, 
which, sorry, spoiler, but if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that, um, <laughs> which is another story in its own. So it's like, okay, now you're going to wait five years until you're 18, and then maybe you'll try to come back to the NBA. <laughs> like, Man, you missed out on being a kid. We'll get to that, though. Yeah. But he had good reasons. Yeah, he did. All right, so they sign him up. He's 14-year-old kid because everyone heard about this. He just beat their best player. The plan right now is to sit him on the bench and people will show up to cheer him on. And, you know, if they're going to show up to see him, they're going to probably want him to play too. So we'll see how that works. Yeah, so he gets there. He finds out, oh, man, I can't wear my shoes. Like, this is bogus. Right. It's all because they tell him, you just have to look nice. And he's just so bummed out by this. He says, okay, whatever. I'm just not going to wear that. I'll just put on these shoes. I'm not going to play. He's really bummed. He's sitting on the bench. He has a great idea for a play, which still doesn't really make all that much sense to me when he tries to explain it. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of a given, given go. And who, give and give and go. <laughs> with a pick and roll featured in it. Coming up with new plays, and the team hasn't heard before. The coach certainly hasn't heard before, so that's what he's got. That's how he'll contribute. If he can't be playing, he might as well help coach. So this team is struggling. They don't have a good attitude. They're just going right. and collecting their paychecks. Coach Wagner is sick of it. Yeah. So they don't respect him. And this this is one of, I think this was really funny when I was watching this. I probably didn't realize how funny it was. I just love how he, this is how he's like going to stick it to his players. He's like, all right, I'm going to put this kid in over you guys. He's going to take the <laughs> shot. Tracy Reynolds is going to set a pick for him. <laughs> it makes sense. Like these guys got a lot of pride and, you know, they're making all this money to go out there and play and. You know, they're fine with that, except for when this kid comes along and is all of a sudden better than them playing over them, then that's embarrassing. Like, this is a publicity stunt that now turns into their team focus on Calvin Cambridge running the show and leading the team. So, And I think this is also where we should bring up the first cameo from an NBA player. You know what I'm talking who, about? Who was it? Uh, was it Jason Kidd? No, it was the Admiral, David Robinson. Ah. Uh, Yes, David Robinson, right before his last season in the NBA. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. I think it's, the cameos are very reflective of who these guys are in real life. Uh-huh. You, would you agree with that? Yes, I would. Because the Admiral, he's just the nice guy. He's such yep. a nice guy. He'll say yep. hi. He's a little confused. He doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> he's just going with it. He's like, oh, this is cool. You know, the guy's out here playing and just going to roll with it and be nice to this kid. <laughs> He looks even more confused when they diagram this play and Calvin and Tracy just start passing the ball back and forth with each other when he's in the game and he realizes, Calvin realizes he's, he doesn't have his, his shoes. He needs to go right. get them. He's not going to shoot the ball, so Tracy, it's yours. Take a shot. I need my have shoes. You ever, have you ever seen anyone pass back and forth with each other like that in a real pickup game or a real game? And not that many times, have you? <laughs> what is going on is this the play is anything going to happen here do i steal the ball do i just wait for someone to shoot or do something with it it's so funny have you seen that before i know but i remember i used to uh replicate it playing nba live 01 with my brother uh-huh nice we would act it out kind of reminds me of grade school 
certain teams you play against and I did not want to have the ball. I'm just going to go out there, play defense. If you pass me the ball, I'm going to pass it back to somebody else right away. It's like, don't give me the ball. I'm just going to turn it over. I wasn't scared of having the ball. Maybe I should have been, though. Shots out there in the court. Yeah, I I mean, I wasn't a huge shooter, but I'd be, I be. I like to pass it and set, set guys up, right. tally up the assists. Yep, there you go. So what happens next? He leads a comeback, and he's balling out. Yeah, yeah. Nobody saw that coming. No. But he's got his shoes now. Sorry, I forgot. So Calvin can't play without his shoes because they're magical. They're what's propelling his game. He needs them. So then he says, like, all right, I have to go to the bathroom. Just let me go to the bathroom. And that's uh, where he gets his shoes. And it's funny because he threw a ton of things out of his locker searching for those shoes. Like, how many different things does he have in his locker for one day? Right. Just brought everything he has to that locker and just <laughs> stuffed it all in there. Is he living there now or something? <laughs> he might want to. Probably. Dramatic effect. Where are the shoes? I got me here somewhere. But then he finds them and he makes his heroic return to the court. And that sets him up for a contract with the team. Mm-hmm. I love this. Uh, I You probably remember, you and I will remember when the NBA used to be on NBC. Yes. NBA and NBC. What a great era. Yeah. It makes me think of NBA Showtime, where it would always be like, the NBA on NBC. So what was his contract? Did they release the terms? Uh, Not really. <laughs> huh. It was a big deal, you know, because he wasn't getting that money, but... I'm sure it was a lot, a lot to, to someone, which we'll get to later. Hannah Storm describes it as lucrative. Hey, I love, uh, I love this scene where they got Tom Tolbert, who I haven't seen on any NBA, like doing any NBA work in a long, long time. He used to play on the Warriors in the '90s with Chris Mullins and Hannah Storm before ESPN. Yep. I love I, so some good news cameos, and there are some other good ones later. Rich Eisen shows up with hair. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Maine. Then the next thing we see, he's traveling with the team. He's got a lot of ideas on what he wants to do with Tracy because they're roommates. And Tracy's like, I don't want to spend my time with a kid. That sounds pretty boring. Like, I could totally understand now that I'm an adult. Like, why would you want to be the one that has to take care of a 13-year-old? You're, like, basically babysitting. Right, Right, exactly. So he's totally like, I'm just going to do my own thing, be just a typical, like, NBA adult. And Calvin, of course, doesn't get this because he just is taking in, like, all of this for the first time, all the perks of being an NBA player and staying in these hotels and going down the road and, you know... For him, the idea of having a roommate is just like hanging out and room service and just having fun. But this is like the worst thing for Tracy. So it's kind of this odd pairing between these two. But I get why they did that because, you know, they put the kid with the star player and hopefully there's some chemistry that forms between them. Yeah, it's funny how they're just like Calvin Cambridge is going to be our savior (laughs) at this point. They're like, he's a star (laughs) player. He's played one game. That's how desperate they are. Yeah, he's had a big impact. Sad franchise. (laughs) Do you like any of his ideas of how he wants to pass the time? NBA Street. uh, What else does he say? And then Tracy's like, no, no game cubes, no Rubik's cubes, no. (laughs) I, I like those ideas. I mean, Calvin has some good ideas. Like that's what I was doing during that time when I was his age. Was freestyle rapping, freestyle rapping, playing all of those video games. 
it's like, why not? Sounds good. I don't need to go out. We can just hang out right there in the hotel room and just have a great time. Which sets us up for the room service. Yes. (laughs) So what did he order here? Because he ordered just about everything. Yeah, he does. But you know what? I feel like this is so accurate of if you told like a 12-year-old or a kid even younger than that, hey, you can call up and eat anything you want. Like, I know I would obsess over that and just be like, oh, I'm going to get this. Oh, now I want this. Now I want this. I'm totally going to take advantage of that. Oh, man, definitely. So it's a great perk. And how can you say no to that? Like all this great food in here and you don't have to go out for it. Just get it right to your room and just feel like a king just being served and enjoying all this great food. So, of course. Yeah, he's, he's got it pretty good. It's it's good. He enjoys it. Being an NBA player is easy. He's got it made. <laughs> I, I wish it was. This era of basketball was really fun for me because I'm not I'm not too crazy about the current era, how much threes are being shot, how stacked the Golden State Warriors are. I like these old school stars, and now I sound old once again. <laughs> All right, so you like the early 2000s yeah. NBA era, even though it was kind of down for the league. There was the it was the post Jordan era where. Teams were trying to figure themselves out, trying to figure out who the star players were, who the great teams were, and there really wasn't any besides the Lakers run. So why was it a fun era for you as a kid? I just, I guess I like the players. You bring up a lot of good points. I wasn't one that was like, oh man, I'm really bored by defense winning championships because that's what happened with the Detroit Pistons, the two, right. the 3 Spurs with two big men, Bruce Bowen, like... I like that kind of stuff, but I mean, obviously, to the casual fan, that may not be as exciting. And I don't disagree with you because, like, this was right around the same time I started paying attention, like, fully, like, investing myself and, like, watching basketball and rooting for teams and following the league as well. And so it was interesting. It's just a weird time because you didn't have the same, like, star power that you have as far as the number of fans there are today compared to the 90s, it was kind of the in-between era. But we see in some of these cameos here, we'll get to, like, there were some great players in the league. It just wasn't one or two, but, like, all these guys were on different teams. And like you said, playing great defense, too. Yeah, let's talk about the cameos. Which was your favorite one? Um, Well, of course, we'll have to get to Vince Carter at the end. So he had one of the longer cameos. Jason Kidd and Gary Payton were interesting as a Bucks fan, seeing those guys in there because both of them spent some time here in Milwaukee. And I'm just looking at this list here, and like there are just so many here. I was watching the deleted scenes. They cut a scene with Ray Allen, Dikembe Mutombo, and uh, I think it was Steve Francis, I want to say. What? No way. Ray Allen was my favorite player during that time. That's so sad. <laughs> well, it was like... What they did was it was at All-Star Weekend and they just when those players were up, they're like, hey, can we ask you a couple of quick questions for our movie? And it was basically like, what do you think of this Calvin Cambridge? And they told them what it was going to be. And so they're answering questions. And that would have been included during the basketball montage, which is one of my favorite montages in any movie. It was so good. It was so good just to see all of that and then all these players, too. Do you know which two players are still playing in the league today? Ooh, that's a great, great question. Okay. Of all of the people who were cameos, right? Yes. Dirk is one. That's right. 
Yeah, which is, I love hearing his German accent. Hey, man, can I have your autograph? <laughs> so great. <laughs> oh, sure, man. Who's it for? Uh, it's uh, for my, my niece. What's her name? Uh, Dirk. Dirk. <laughs> cool. Here you go. That was great. So one is Dirk, and yep. then I have to think who, oh, and Vince Carter, of course. That's right. And that's funny because it wasn't like either of these guys were super young in the league at this time either. No, I mean, Vince Carter was already a star and Dirk was still a few years into his career as well. Yeah, like um, maybe like four or five years in. Yeah, I think so. He just finished his 20th season. So Another um, Bucks draft pick, by the way. Dirk Nowitzki, that's right. Yeah. Don't remind me. That was sad. <laughs> <laughs> They're on this road trip in Philly. They... Uh, have the room service scene, which is a lot of fun. And then it's funny because we, I never quite understood this. I figured this girl as a kid that Tracy is taking to his hotel room is his girlfriend. But now that I understand adult life, I would think it's a girl that he had probably just met at a club or something. Yep. I noticed that for the first time watching it as adult, you get a whole <laughs> new perspective on what's going on here. So that's a good point. And this is the only scene with her in the whole movie, too. Yep. So just uh, one time with this girl in that city. So he, it was interesting. Tracy's being a real jerk, too. Because it's like yeah. you just want to get the kid out of the room so you could have some fun in there and alone time or whatever. And it's like, really? What are you going to do with this kid who you're kind of in charge of taking care of, who's your teammate? He's just not, he's not very nice about that. But he figures he's the star player, and if he can get away with it, then he's going to try. So definitely Which a, a lot and, of a lot of star players in this time period would try. So yep, yep. <laughs> try to do this. So not surprising at all. And then another interesting thing about the basketball scene is that they shot, how do you think they shot dunk contest clips? Uh, was it during a dunk contest? Yeah, they just they were shooting the movie there, and they put Lil Bow Wow next to uh, Steve Francis sitting on the bench there, uh-huh. and had him reacting to stuff, and that, they used it. That's awesome. Actually, I see later on that there's scenes from the 2000 slam dunk contest, the one that Vince Carter won. So oh, there's footage there? from that as well. Oh um, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yep. And then another one for basketball here. See if you know this one. Um, what's the one team? that they play against and lose during that montage. <laughs> How could we lose to the Bulls? The Bulls. It's That's not in the of montage, course. but it, it, it is their only loss in the movie that we yep. are aware of. That's right. Michael Jordan's team yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that those post-Jordan Bulls were horrible. <laughs> so it's like bad. Ron... Ron Mercer is your star player, and you got Brad Miller and Marcus Pfizer. <laughs> so bad. was a big draft pick for a couple of years before that, but yeah, this was uh, pre-Kirk Heinrich in that era of the Bulls where they actually got better, but the Eddie Curry, Tyson Chandler era was not so great for the Bulls. Well, when they had Eddie Curry, Tyson Chandler, Ben Gordon... I mean, they were going to the playoffs. Right, but not when they first drafted them in 2001. Yeah. yeah. 
I just I don't I guess I don't think of it as their era as much as I think of some of those other guys like Marcus yeah. Pfizer as the face of your team. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty bad. Did he play on the Bucks? He did. One year, he briefly played on the Bucks. So, kind of when he was bouncing around different teams, um, that Bucks team wasn't that great either. So that's why he was there. <laughs> Another part of this with all these cameos, the players, which kicks off the basketball scene that I love is he gets to finally meet his hero, Allen Iverson, which asks, are you a mascot or something? <laughs> which is, it's funny because he's like, if he's a mascot, he would be an Allen Iverson mascot because he looks right. like a little mini me. <laughs> yes, yes, that's hilarious. <laughs> and then uh, Job or Jode or whatever his name is, is like, players don't ask for other players' autographs. And that's when Allen Iverson goes, player? <laughs> you talking about practice? <laughs> Yep, that was uh, not long before this movie. Uh huh. Yeah, Allen Iverson's very unique personality. I don't think the NBA has seen any other player like him. It's also fun the part where Calvin is copies the same clothes that Tracy's wearing. The yep. suit that's yep. great. New player to look up to, trying to figure out how to fit in and get his attention. So nice job, Calvin. You're learning. It's also way too big for him too. Right, the pants. <laughs> Some of the other significant things, you got the uh, joyride where Tracy falls asleep in the car. Mm. Yeah, that was impressive. That was funny that he was able to drive back and you look at the clock and it says 1156. And you're like, all right, Calvin, got to get back, got to <laughs> get back before curfew. And he finds the, the tire in the trunk and props himself up and is able to drive all the way back. You know, he only hit a couple of cars along the way, so I guess that's fine. He made it back in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he did. <laughs> it's and he only gets a like he only his only discipline is that he's benched. He's there's no problem with the law that he's driving underage. <laughs> right, right. That's that's fine. Well, without a license, past curfew. Right. <laughs> Oh, there's also on on the way there. They have the great uh, y'all go make me lose your mind. <laughs> oh yes, that was good. One of the great things about this movie is that it taught me how to look at triangles properly. Did it have that effect on you? Yeah, that was such a great scene when yeah. we're seeing how that is explained and how the triangles work in that offense. So um, that was that was pretty sweet. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. Well, you mentioned the triangles, and here's something interesting about that I came up that I found about Tracy Reynolds' mansion. Apparently, it was formerly owned by Tracy McGrady. Oh, I know. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me who. I knew that. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, that. No. Did you come across that? Yeah, I was listening to the DVD commentary today, and nice. uh, Bow Wow said that. And I was like, why did he have a place in Southern California? Was it in Southern California? Yeah, they shot that in Malibu. Well, I'm sure a lot of players have places in yeah. California, so. Yeah, they just didn't have any, like, Twitter back then to be like, oh, so-and-so got a place in Southern California. <laughs> they want to come to play for the Lakers. Right, <laughs> different era. <laughs> These guys actually were able to hide sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a great scene the paint is so fun and interesting thing about that is that they had to have Murph in that scene otherwise Tracy would have no sort of information or relationship with this kid 
that he will eventually adopt. Oh, that makes sense. I didn't think about that. That's a, that's a good point. That's why they had to include him in the scene, why he shows up late, which kind of is like kind of random if you think about it as face value. But if you're making a movie, you have to have some sort of way that those two interact with each other. Well, speaking of Murph, you know, it was great to have him in the scene because he is such a, a cool kid, fun character. Um, but it's unfortunate we don't see more of him between him and also with Reg because these two really don't get a backstory. They don't get a lot of attention besides just being Calvin's friends and being orphans. So it was cool to see him there and see more of that friendship between Murph and Calvin because um, I think he's just one of those kids that every every kid would want to have as a friend. So I like that scene a lot. So we mentioned this already a little bit before about how much fun this is to watch the movie. Um, and it's it's definitely a movie you have to watch from like a kid's perspective because it is fun. But um, it's not one that you might pick up as an adult and appreciate in the same way that we do having grown up in this era and kind of looking up to these players and feeling like we're a kid again. Um, a lot of the plot really kind of moves right along and we kind of miss out on some of the character backstories and some of the development of the other characters that I wish we would have seen. So um, that was kind of, who would you have liked to see more of? Uh, definitely Murph and Reg. I think these two are just great friends to Calvin, but Calvin takes a lot of the attention in this movie, which rightfully so. But at the same time, um, I'd like to know why, you know, that where their friendship comes from and, and see more of those characters as well. I'm not sure how you do that, but that was something that I thought was kind of lacking because they don't get a lot of attention here. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. It's tough to incorporate them and in stuff when he's on the road. Yep. And even at the orphanage, it's all about Calvin. And I think he's just got some great friends that are really kind of MVPs here that really are there for him. Um, not only at the orphanage, but also when he's in trouble, they're always there for him to support him as well. So um, kudos to those two. It's actually interesting. There are only a couple of scenes in this entire movie that don't involve Calvin in them. Like, there are a couple of really quick ones where you see Biddleman asking Ox, like, what's the deal with these shoes? Did Are they actually magical? What's the deal? Another scene is when Biddleman goes to the bookie, which this did not make a whole lot of sense. Why? Like, I thought he was trying to place a bet with that guy. So why are his henchmen like essentially trying to help him out and win the bet? I don't know. So he was, yeah, betting against Calvin. Um, I'm not sure. What do you think there? It has to be like this guy is somehow decides, oh, yeah, I'll jump in on this $100,000 bet with you guys. Mm -hmm. And like, we're all going to go in on this together. Meanwhile, we'll all jump in on this bet with you. Even though we have no idea why you think Calvin's going to have some like weird off game, why do they believe him <laughs> that the shoes are magical? <laughs> um, it's another unbelievable hole in this movie <laughs> that you have to kind of appreciate the magic of it and the craziness of this film that's not realistic. So <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> they show them like 
speeding through Southern California, and it just made me wish, like, man, I wish I was there. Like, I just want to be there right now. Oh. That looks fun. So I think another kid that you, as far as characters here, um, you mentioned this early, just the the development of of Ox as a character and kind of his perspective as a fellow orphan, but also um, the bully here. So what'd you think about the way he comes around towards the end of this movie and, and kind of where his place in the, in this plot. He does a real 180 on this, uh, which I think is really cool. Yeah. You see some parts in the movie where he doesn't seem like such a bad guy. He seems to like the other kids, but the whole time, Biddleman is just controlling him to basically turn him against the other kids, it seems. And it seems like Biddleman just wants them all to think he's cool and they all should try to impress him. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like most of the kids have turned on him. And so mm-hmm. ultimately, they need to get Ox to do the same. And I think it's really cool that his eyes are opened up in the end. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, it's sometimes movies don't do a good job of really giving. Um, the bully a good ending or a good turnaround and I do appreciate kind of where he comes around and definitely redeems himself at the end of this movie so that was really cool to see it, it really was it was re- it was it was very well done I think he was a really good character and necessary character for the movie to have yeah and they realized as orphans like they all kind of had the same goal here like they have big dreams but you know first and foremost they just want to have families and they want to kind of get adapted and fulfill that dream. So all those kids are on the same page and on the same team here. I think another part that I really like is the Gary Payton part. Cause I love the part where he's like, now you know what it's like to be in the glove. <laughs> that was hilarious. Speaking of defense, it's like, <laughs> it's more like a mitten. <laughs> uh-huh. That was hilarious. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I've got a little theory here. I want to hear your thoughts. All right, go for it. Does Murph ruin the sneakers by putting them on? Could he have messed them up or nicked them up somehow? Um, it's possible. I don't know. What do you think? I don't. I don't. I feel like he would have been very careful if he was putting them on. He's such a good friend. He's such a good friend. He's smart. You know, he's so loyal to Calvin that he's not going to do anything to ruin them. You know, if anything, I feel like it's just Calvin playing so many games and playing the way he does and those sneakers that eventually that was bound to happen. And we talk about how old these sneakers are too. Like, you know, if Jordan yeah. had them as a kid, like they've been around for a long time. So that was something that was eventually going to happen. And I feel like Murph is more careful than Calvin would be. You know, I think Calvin could be careless sometimes and not think about what he's doing in those sneakers. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, it's also like a kid that sees those magical shoes, has them alone with him with nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Like is totally going to be like, can it work for me? Like, what's the deal with these? Why didn't they work for him? It's a good question. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're not magic after all. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? That's, <laughs> that's interesting. I think it was, I think it was a magic pair of shoes. I think it was something like Cinderella related where it's like the sh- the shoe only fits for one person. Yeah, had the right fit. Or maybe it was just, yeah, once Calvin had the shoes and they were working for him, um, there was no way to transfer that, that same energy to somebody else. So they were activated once and that was it. So what do you think about 
at the end here when Calvin makes this decision to um, to retire and to um, you know his shoes are are gone. But why do you think he decides then? What do you think about his decision? Um, yeah, this is funny. This is a great question because this just happened over the weekend with Vontae Davis. Yeah, it's like that's right. He pulled a Vontae Davis before that was a thing. He totally did. Made made his call at halftime. <laughs> I don't think that was a great move by Calvin because he's like, in the fourth quarter, first of all, you show up late to the last game of the year and you're just going to tell them uh, during a timeout, by the way, this is going to be my last game, even if we make the playoffs, just tell them later. Like, be like, all right, but it is a movie. You got to have it for the movie. But I don't think that was his best moment. Two parts here. So one, of course, throughout this movie, he's over-reliance on the shoes. Like, obviously, that's what gives him the energy, we assume, or the power to be able to play at this level. Um, so he acts so dramatically whenever, like, that shoe, those shoes are ruined or he loses them or doesn't have them with him. And so in his mind, like, he is just, again, all about himself and not, like, focused on being part of the team and makes his decision to retire. I think ultimately he does in some way realize that he just wants to be a kid. And so I give him credit for that, for realizing that, you know, you can chase these dreams, but sometimes in like his circumstance or um, other times when we just have to have to wait and like realize that, okay, Calvin just wants to be a kid right now. And that's kind of, afterwards the realization that he gets once he does decide to quit playing. I agree. And I think it's also very interesting that he ends up turning down the Boyds, his dream family, uh-huh. which is similar to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air family. Yep. Also, Alex, do you know who Mr. Boyd is in this movie, who the actor is? Oh, I don't. Who is it? Did you ever see the sitcom Family Matters? Are you familiar with it with Steve Urkel? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, he's the dad on that. Nice. He seems like a, a decent guy. Kind of weird, but, you know, they both definitely like each other, and <laughs> they were excited to have Calvin. What would you think about them? Well, I thought they seem really nice. Like, I could see that he didn't fit with them, but, I mean, they have a lot of money. They're not yeah. flocking to Calvin because they need the money. Yep. Yeah, genuine, honest, nice people. So, but the weird thing was, so did I miss something here? So he, after the game, told them that he would meet them in the parking lot. When did we go from, okay, see you later, to he him choosing not to live with them or be adopted by them? There seemed to be like a gap yeah. of that never happening. Yeah, they never, he never like is having any moment why why he says, oh, yeah, no, this isn't going to work, or he doesn't tell someone else before, like, I don't know, I'm not sure about this. He looks a little hesitant, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'll see you in the car, like, and then the only other thing is that he spilled, like, some Dr. Pepper on the tablecloth, which they all seemed fine about. They weren't, (laughs) like, "Uh, look what you did, you little jerk. They were just like, oh, no, it's fine, we'll clean it up, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like it would have been a good choice for him, but I feel like I missed something because he never actually like had that moment where he 
told them that he didn't want to be adopted by them. So this kind of jumped forward after that, after he made his decision. So I think it was basically that he wanted Tracy to adopt him. And if he wasn't going to, he didn't really, he wasn't really sure if he wanted anyone else, but it's kind of crazy that he would choose to go back to the orphanage right after what Biddleman just did. <laughs> I could not believe this. I'm watching this like, wait a minute. Why is he going back? It's like, of course, where else would he go? I guess he would go with the Boyds and just stay with them a little bit longer. But he goes back to the orphanage. And I think the reason here is because, you know, at that time, that was still his family. Like those were the other orphans, his friends. And even though it was still a, a dangerous place for him, um, those were the people that he knew. And he was not yet ready to move on. And he had already retired and said no to his team in the NBA. So um, that was, I guess, the best option for him at that time. Yeah, I guess so. It was a very interesting choice. It definitely was surprising. I also wonder, like, if the Boyds, like, called the cops or anything. (laughs) Or, like, because, like, this kid just doesn't show up. And they're just going to wait and be like, oh, yeah, I guess he's not coming. All right, whatever. We'll forget about that kid. (laughs) Again, that was so weird that I they must have done something because (laughs) he just never showed up after the game. Yeah. But it's Galvin, you know, he does what he wants. So maybe they realize that they can't rely on this kid and they'll just move on and find somebody else who's less adventurous than him. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. Also... (laughs) I also want to touch on Biddleman burning Murph's mom picture of his mom is oh. one of the saddest scenes ever in any movie. It's just torturous. That was so sad. Um, that just shows that he's just an evil character. You know, he just does not care at all about these kids. You know, he's just in it for the money. He realizes that he can make money off these orphans and torture them at the same time. Um, such a sad scene. Yeah. He's, he's really the worst person in this movie. And mm-hmm. Crispin Glover does an amazing job being so hateable in this movie, which is amazing because in back to the future, he's the one that gets bullied. So <laughs> yeah, he's just like a, a sweet little dorky guy who like is very polite and means very well. Uh huh. So, of course, we had our actual sequel that neither of us watched. Um, but <laughs> I was kind of thinking about what this might look like today um, if we were to remake this movie and do it a little bit differently, have something more realistic. Um, I, I actually enjoyed like a lot of the um, Disney sports movies during that era that were based on actual stories. I think there's a lot you can learn from kind of real events here and yeah, like invincible rookie mm-hmm. so here's one so of course i mentioned this before and um as a bucks fan my favorite player is Giannis adenokounmpo <laughs> so check this out how about a backstory a backstory of Giannis as a kid yeah that's interesting all right so i'm gonna <laughs> read you a little bit of his bio here and here's what it says Denikumpo was born in Athens, Greece December 6, 1994 the son of immigrants from Nigeria three years earlier his parents had moved from Lagos leaving behind their firstborn son Francis with his grandparents 
even though Adenokounmpo and three of his four brothers were born in Greece, they did not automatically qualify to receive full Greek citizenship. For the first 18 years of his life, Adenokounmpo had no parent, no papers from Nigeria or Greece. And he grew up in the Athens neighborhood of Sepolia. The New York Times reported like other immigrants to Greece, his parents struggled to find work. Adenokounmpo and his older brother, Danisius, helped out by hawking items such as watches, bags, and sunglasses. And in 2007, Adenokupo started playing basketball. And by 2009, he was playing competitively for the youth squad of Philon Picos. It's my best <laughs> Greek <laughs> attempt. Him and his three brothers growing up in the streets of Athens, which is a beautiful country, Greece, but Athens, it's a rough place too. There's a lot of people that live there and they were growing up in poverty and they were selling things on the streets just to support the family and basketball was their way out playing on the streets and eventually playing for the national team and, you know, eventually getting drafted and moving over here and um, Giannis making his way in the NBA. So, um, I think you have to do it in English. You can't have the, the Greek yeah. <laughs> language and the mm-hmm. subtitles, but, um, I think that would be a pretty cool backstory and something realistic where you get to see what that's like and just basketball being an outlet for, uh, being able to achieve dreams of making it as, you know, the brothers and also their family and friends and just, um, I think it'd be a pretty cool story. Yeah, that sounds like a that totally sounds like one of those Disney movies that we mentioned. Uh, absolutely, that's not what I was expecting for you to say. I thought you were gonna say like, "Oh yeah, like Mike too," and it's Giannis as a kid. And I was like, "What?" But then you explain <laughs> his backstory, and it makes a little more sense as to like the similarities that you may see in between a Calvin Cambridge growing up in hardship and a Giannis. Yep, exactly. So that's a movie I would watch. Um, kind of a different theme here. Um, but anytime you get kids on a basketball court, I think that's something both of us would be interested in seeing. Yeah, I think so too. So uh, really, I think I think we covered basically everything you could cover on a Like Mike podcast today. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Went pretty deep here. So yeah, I appreciate rewatching this and then discussing it with you kind of takes me back to my childhood and why both of us grew up watching and loving basketball for all these reasons. Another thing that I just thought of that I was going to bring up on Vince Carter, he's also a North Carolina guy. So there's that connection. He's got to get over that other North Carolina guy, which I did not realize that. That's good. Yeah, Vince Vince Carter, who famously stepped out of the All-Star game for Michael Jordan to start in his last All-Star game. Nice. That's that's the barrier. So it's Vince Carter, North Carolina Tar Hill versus the the shoes of another Tar Hill great. It's pretty good. There's also another deleted scene where Calvin makes a free throw with his eyes closed. Really? During a game? Yeah. And how do the players react to that? Like, what the heck is just, this kid doing? <laughs> <laughs> just in awe, like excited <laughs> that Michael Jordan famously did the same. Oh. Another connection here. Yeah, and then um, there's a part where 
in the first the first part where Calvin goes off and he's making he's doing some layups and he's got his like mouth open. It's similar to MJ with his tongue sticking out that he always had yep. with his determined face. And if you pay close attention, the next time you watch it, when you see Murph trying to dunk on the little Nerf hoop, uh-huh. he does, does the, the tongue. Thing. He does the tongue, and it's a great impression of it. Where Calvin's, I don't even know if he was trying to do that or not. Like, it didn't quite look like the tongue, but yeah, it's a great impression of it. And then Calvin also will do the, uh, he does the shrug after he hits a three. Yep, that's right. That's awesome. Love letter to Michael Jordan. <laughs> it was a great, great time. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Alex. I know I had a lot of fun digging this thing up and reliving some of the past. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Jack. This was a lot of fun, too. Um, appreciate the time and um, enjoy watching this movie and talking about it with you. Lastly, is there anything that you'd like to promote, a uh, social media handle, anything of that nature? Um, Sure. I guess you can find me on Twitter. So it's at Alex M. Stoll. That's S-T-O-L-L. And you can find me there. Awesome. Well, thank you. I'm sure I'll talk to you again sometime soon. Awesome. Thanks, Jack. College basketball, man. That sounds great. Take care. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Alex. That's it for my conversation with Alex Stahl. So thankful that he was able to join me to talk about one of my favorite movies, Like Mike. So, what did you guys think? You can tweet me your thoughts at the Jack Vita. It's my new Twitter handle. I'm very responsive on there. Would love to hear what your thoughts are on the podcast, what you thought of our show today, and some of our fan theories that we had. Did Murph ruin the shoes? Were the shoes really Michael Jordan's? Were they magical? Tweet me. Let me hear your thoughts. Also, while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to Press On Sports on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If it's Spotify, be sure to follow us on there, and you will never miss an episode. You'll always be in the loop whenever there's a new episode available for your consumption. So go ahead and do that. Thank you to everyone who listened. That's it for today's show. Bring in the Dancing Lobsters.